Chapter Six of Kate Bonnet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Kate Bonnet by Frank R. Stockton. Chapter Six: A Pair of Shoes and Stockings. The tide was running down, and Dickory made a swift passage to the town seeing on the pier the man from whom he had borrowed the rope he stopped to return him his property and thinking that the good people of the town should know that no matter what had befallen major bonnet his daughter had not gone with him and was safe among friends he mentioned these facts to the man but with very few details being in a hurry to return with his message before he turned into the inlet dickory was called from the shore and to his surprise he saw his mother standing on the bank in front of a mass of bushes which concealed her from her house. "'Come here, Dickory,' she said. "'Tell me what you have heard.' Her son told his doleful tale. "'I fear me, mother,' he said, "'that Major Bonnet's ship has gone on some secret and bad business, and that he is mixed up in it. Else why did he desert his daughter?' and if he intended to take her with him, that was worse. "'I don't know, Dickory,' said good Dame Charter, reflectively. "'We must not be too quick to believe harm of our fellow-beings. It does look bad, as the townspeople thought, that Major Bonnet should own such a ship with such a strange crew. But he is a man who knows his own business, and may have had good reason for what he has done.' He might have been sailing out to some foreign part to bring back a rich cargo, and needed stout men to defend it from the pirates that he might meet with on the seas. "'But his daughter, mother,' said Dickory, "'how could he have left her as he did? That was shameful, and even you must admit it.' "'Not so fast, Dickory,' said she. "'There are other ways of looking at things than the way in which we look at them.' He had intended to take Mistress Kate on a little trip. She told me that herself. And most likely, having changed his mind on account of the suspicions in the town, he sent word to her to return to her home, which message she did not get. Dickory considered. Yes, mother, he said. It might have been that way. But I don't believe that he went of his own accord, and I don't believe that he would take Ben Greenway with him. I think, mother, that they were both stolen with the ship. That might be, said his mother, but we have no right to take such a view of it and to impart it to his daughter. If he went away of his own accord, everything will doubtless be made right, and we shall know his reasons for what he has done. It is not for us to make up our minds that Major Bonnet and good Ben Greenway have been carried off by wicked men for this would be sad indeed for that fair girl to believe. So remember, Dickory, that it is our duty always to think the best of everything. And now I will go through the underbrush to the house, and when you get there yourself, you must tell your story as if you had not told it to me. Before Dickory had reached his mother's cottage, Mistress Kate Bonnet came running to meet him, and she did not seem to be the same girl he had left that morning, her clothes had been dried and smoothed. Even her hat, which had been found in the boat, 
had been made shapely and wearable, and its ribbons floated in the breeze. Dickory glanced at her feet, and as he did so, a thrill of strange delight ran through him. He saw his own Sunday shoes, with silver buckles, and he caught a glimpse of a pair of brown stockings, which he knew went always with those shoes. "'I am quite myself again,' she said, noticing his wide eyes. "'And your mother has been good enough to lend me a pair of your shoes and stockings. Mine are so utterly ruined, and I could not walk barefooted.' Dickory was so filled with pride that this fair being could wear his shoes, and that she was wearing them, that he could only mumble some stupid words about being so glad to serve her. And she, wise girl, said nothing about the quantities of soft cotton wool which Dame Charter had been obliged to stuff into the toes before they would stay upon the small feet they covered. "'But my father,' cried Kate, "'what of him?' "'Where is he?' Now Dame Charter was with them, her eyes hard fixed upon her son. Dickory, mindful of those eyes, told her what he had to tell, saying as little as possible about Major Bonnet, because, of course, all that he knew about him was mere hearsay, but dilating with much vigour upon the shameful conduct of Madame Bonnet, for the young lady ought surely to know what sort of woman her father's wife really was and what she might expect if she should return to her house. He could have said even more about the interview with the angry woman, but his mother's eyes were upon him. Kate heard everything without a word, and then she burst into tears. "'My father,' she sobbed, "'carried away, or gone away, and one is as bad as the other.' "'Dickory,' said Dame Charter, "'go cut some wood.' There is none ready for the kitchen. Dickory went away, not sorry, for he did not know how to deport himself with a young lady whose heart was so sorely tried. He might have discovered a way, if he had been allowed to do so, but that would not have been possible with his mother present. But, in spite of her sorrow, his heart sang to him that she was wearing his shoes and stockings, then he cheerfully brought down his axe upon the wood for the dinner's cooking. Dame Charter led the weeping girl to the bench, and they talked long together. There was no optimist in all the British colonies, nor, for that matter, in those belonging to France or Spain, or even to the Dutch, who was a more conscientious follower of her creed than Dame Charter. She sat by Kate, and she talked to her until the girl stopped sobbing and began to see for herself that her father knew his own business and that he had most certainly sent her a message to go on shore, which had not been delivered. As to poor Ben Greenway, the good woman was greatly relieved that her son had not mentioned him, and she took care not to do it herself. She did not wish to strain her optimism. Kate, having so much else upon her mind, never thought of this good man. When Dickory came back, he first looked to see if Kate still wore his shoes and stockings, and then he began to ask what there was that he might do now. He would go again to the town if he might be of use. But Kate had no errand for him there. Dickory had told her how he had been with Mr. Newcombe at her home, and therefore there was no need of her sending him another message. 
don't know where to go or where to send she said simply i am lost and that is all of it oh no cried dame charter not that you are with good friends and here you can stay just as long as you like indeed she can said dickory as if he were making a response in church his mother looked at him and said nothing and then she took kate out into a little grove behind the house to see if she could find some ripe oranges it was a fair property although not large which belonged to the widow charter her husband had been a thriving man although a little inclined to speculations in trade which were entirely out of his line and when he met his death in the sea he left her nothing but her home and some inconsiderable land about it dickory had been going to a grammar school in the town and was considered a fair scholar but with his father's death all that stopped and the boy was obliged to go to work to do what he could for his mother and ever since he had been doing what he could without regard to appearances thinking only of the money but on sunday when he rode his mother to church he wore good clothes being especially proud of his buckled shoes and his long brown hose which were always of good quality they were eating dinner when oars were heard on the river and in a moment a boat swung around into the inlet in the stern sat master martin newcombe and two men were rowing now dickory charter swore in his heart although he was not accustomed to any sort of blasphemy and as miss kate gazed eagerly through the open window our young friend narrowly scrutinized her face to see if she were glad or not she was glad that was plain enough and he went out sullenly to receive the arriving interloper when they were all standing on the shore kate did not think it worth while to ask master newcombe how he happened to know where she was but the young man waited for no questions he went on to tell his story when he related that it was a man fishing on a pier who had told him that young mistress kate bonnet was stopping with dame charter kate wondered greatly for as dickory had met master newcombe what need had there been for the latter to ask questions about her of a stranger but she said nothing and dickory growled in his soul that he had ever spoken to the man on the pier except to thank him for the rope he had borrowed martin newcombe's story went on and he told that having been extremely angered by the conduct and words of madame bonnet he had gone into the town and made inquiries hoping to hear something of the whereabouts of mistress kate and having done so by means of the very obliging person on the pier he had determined that the daughter of major bonnet should have her rights and he had gone to his own lawyer who assured him that being a person of recognized respectability possessing property he was fully authorized knowing the wishes of mistress kate bonnet to go to her stepmother and demand that those wishes be complied with and if this very reasonable request should be denied then the lawyer would take up the matter himself and would see to it that reasonable raiment and the necessities of a young lady should not be withheld from her with these instructions newcombe had gone to madame bonnet and had found that much disturbed lady in a state of partial collapse which had followed her passion of the morning 
and who had declared that nothing in the world would please her better than to get rid of her husband's daughter and never see her again. And if the creature needed clothes, or anything else which belonged to her, a maid should pack them up, and anybody who pleased might take them to any place, provided she heard no more about them or their owner. In all this she spoke most truthfully, for she hated her stepdaughter, both because she was a fine young woman and much regarded by her father, and because she had certain rights to the estate of said father, which his present wife did not wish to recognise or even to think about. So Martin Newcombe was perfectly welcome to take away such things as would render it unnecessary for the girl to now return to the home in which she had been born. Martin had brought the box, and here he was. It was not long before Newcombe and the lady of his love were walking away through the little plantation, in order that they might speak by themselves. Dickory looked after them and frowned, but he bravely comforted himself by thinking that he had been the one into whose arms she had dropped through the blackness of the night and the blackness of the water, knowing in her heart that he would be there ready for her, and also by the thought that it was his shoes and stockings that she wore. Dame Charter saw this frown on her son's face, but she did not guess the thoughts which were in his mind. End of chapter 6